Crazy Like Us is an invitation not for you to give to us, but it's actually an invitation for you to come and be generous with us, to join us in generosity. Because for a long time, we were talking about it this week as staff, for a long time, the church has been known for what it's against. For far too long, it's been known for what it's against. And we think that generosity is a great way to be known, to, to be known for what we're for, and that's for people. We want to be generous to people. So we're asking you to be generous with us. We talked last week as well about how you don't actually need money to be generous, that this is not a series all about money. Um, because in order to be a generous person, to, to be seen as a generous person, that includes your time, that includes your talents, your creative energy, your words. In fact, we all know people who we would consider generous, and yes, they might be generous with their money, but it's so much more than that, right? It's, it's this idea that they're, that they're there early, and they stay late, and they're there when you need them. They're generous with their time. There's so many ways. I just want to make this really, really clear, that generosity it concerns and, and, and covers so much more than just our money, right? Okay, now that I have that established, we're going to talk about money today. <laughs> I'd like to focus on our money and being generous with our money because I think money is, is a great way that we, if you have money, it's one of the best ways you can be generous. So we're going to focus on that. Now, I know there's a conflict of interest anytime a pastor talks about money and especially being generous, right? Like there's this conflict of interest, like you just want me to be generous to give to your things so you can get paid more and that kind of stuff. And I just, I, I feel like I need to make one thing clear at the outset of, of this conversation today. I actually don't take a salary from Colorado Life Church. Um, it's something that our family is able to do and it's something we're able to give, so we give it. Um, and that's a form of generosity for us. So in, in you being generous to CLC, you're not actually being generous to me. Um, and I, I think that's good to kind of lay out in, in the beginning. A second thing that I want you to know as we talk about money today is this is not a series that's buttering you up for, to ask you big things like next week I'm going to hit you hard with something. It's actually not that at all. We're, we'll, pass, we'll, we'll do our normal thing like we pass the offering plate because that's how some of us like to be generous. Um, but again, if, you, if the idea of a pastor or giving to a church puts you off, please don't give. Don't give to us. And don't, and if you, if you um, don't want to give to a church, I would actually beg you and plead with you today to give somewhere. Because what we're going to find today is there's a lot at stake. If, we, if you and I are to grow in generosity uh, that, that, that helps us out in life, there's a lot for us, actually, when we become generous with our money. And, and honestly, the reason is pretty simple. Money has a crazy effect on us. Money has a way of making us kind of crazy. And what we're going to look at today and find today is one of the best ways to make sure that it doesn't drive us crazy is to grow in generosity. I want us to see the crazy. And I, I was thinking about it. There's a couple ways that I could help us to see the crazy when it comes to our money. One of them is we could just pass the mic around and we could all share our personal stories of how money's gotten us in trouble or it blew up our home when our parents, the way they handled their money or whatever. We all have those stories. But I thought that would be maybe not the best idea to just pass around the microphone. So, so instead, I've got some, some statistics for you that I want to share um, about just kind of help us to see how money makes us crazy. The first one is this. The average household income in the United States is $59,000 a year. Now, that in and of itself is not a crazy stat, 
it, what makes it kind of crazy is actually, maybe you didn't know this, but if, if you make $48,000 a year or more as an annual income, you are actually part of the 1% of top wage earners in the world, which is crazy to think about because if you make $48,000, you probably don't feel rich. And yet, that actually puts you in the one top 1%. And the reason is, and this is crazy, is because there's actually 3 billion plus people in the world that live on $2.50 a day or less. I want you to catch that. Half of the global population right now lives on less than $2.50 a day, which is just crazy to think about. It kind of helps put in perspective our average income of $59,000 a year. Now, here's the thing. Despite that wealth, despite the, uh, the, that wealth uh, being some of the richest people in the world, we have massive amounts of debt and very little in savings. Check this out. The average uh, household debt, credit card debt, is almost $16,000 per, per, per household. Isn't that, that's, this is the United States. Our average auto loan is $27,000, almost $28,000 that we owe for our, our cars, our depreciating assets. Here's an, a crazy one that I didn't know, but it, we found this week. Approximately 62% of Americans have less than $1,000 in some sort of savings account, and 20%, 21% of Americans don't have one at all. They don't have any type of savings account. So, so you, um, you see this, the craziness? We, we're, we're some of the wealthiest people in the world, and yet the wealth that we have is not enough. We have a lot of debt on top of that, and we have very little in savings. And I wish I could say that the reason why we're so much in debt and why um, we don't have much in savings is, has to do with our generosity, but it doesn't. Uh, if we, it, you cannot say that we're generous to a fault, okay? Because here's, here's, another, here's some more statistics. Um, the bottom 20% of wage earners in the United States give 3.2%. That is the 20% the, the, the of people who are the poorest in our country, on average, give about 3.2% of their income away. On the other side, the top 20% of wage earners in the United States give only 1.3%, which is like, like mind-boggling to me. It's like, no, 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 like this, the richer you get, the more you should give away because you don't need that much to actually just, you know, like food is food. Like you should be able to, a car is a car. Like at some point in time, you should give more. And I wish, I wish, I wish that I could say that there's, there's a bulge in the middle of these two, that, that like the, the middle class, which probably a lot of us would put, put ourselves into, like not in the lower 20, not in the top 20, but maybe somewhere in the middle. I wish I could say there was a bulge in the middle of giving, like that we give 5 or 7%. But the reality is that's a steady decline from, from, from one end to the other, which tells us this. This is what I want us to see here because I think this is so interesting. The more we get, the less we give. Period. That's, that's just what these things show us. The more we make, the less we give away. And to which we might say, well, how can that be? How does that happen? That's crazy. But here's, here's why. Here's, I'm going to take a stab at why I think that this is happening. And maybe you haven't thought about it this way, but the, I think the reason why the more we get, the less we give is because money and wealth are actually appetites. 
that, that wealth causes an appetite effect in us. That is, the more we get, the more we, we, we want, and the less that we give. We understand this when it comes to food. Very, that's, a, that's an appetite that we understand. If you want to lose weight or drop a couple pounds, what you don't do is you don't say, I'm going to eat as much food as I can until I get sick of it, and then I'll, you know, I'll put, that'll put food in its place. It, that's absurd, right? No one would ever, like, it, it, people are like, can I sign up for that diet? That sounds great. It won't work, but it sounds great. But here's the thing. When it comes to money, we don't intuitively understand this. See, we think that if we want to become more generous people, it's, it, that's something that when we have more money, we will be able to do that. But the reality is that there's, there's something in you and me that makes that not true. That as you get more money, and maybe you've seen this, maybe you've grown in wealth, you've gotten the promotion, and over the last couple of years, you've grown in wealth, and yet you haven't become more of a generous person, and yet you still want more. Do you know why? Because wealth actually forms an appetite in each one of us. And here's the thing. I think that's really good to recognize. I think it's really good for us to see our wealth like food or like other appetites in life and, and to think about that and to do something about that because there's ways that we can curb our appetite. There's ways that we can put money into its place, its proper place. And here's what I'm going to propose. The best way to, free, to be free from the appetite of wealth is to grow in generosity. See, I want something for you. Like I'm asking you to grow in generous, to give more away, but ultimately I really want something for you. I want you to be free from that appetite. I, I want you to be free from that racket. We've all experienced it, this idea like if I can just get this and we get that and then we're not quite happy so we go for the next. I want you to be free from that carrot on the string. And I think that the best way to be free from the appetite of wealth is to grow in generosity, to be a person who is continually checking that by growing in generosity, by putting money in its place. And it sounds crazy, because the idea, like, like the, the way of giving, I'm going to give away my money, and that's going to make me more content, more satisfied, it sounds crazy. But I, here's what I think. When it comes to our money, I think we need to pick our crazy. Th there's just no way around it. It makes us crazy. And we can be controlled by it, or we can control it and, and be mindful of it, and be generous People, I want this for you. I want this for you no matter your faith journey. I want this for you no matter what you believe about God. I think this is just a good thing in life. But if you would consider yourself a Jesus follower, there's actually another layer to this. And I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to make a crazy statement here. I think the big idea for today, especially if you're a Jesus follower, is the best way for you to experience God's blessing might be through giving your money away. I think that the, the, even there's not many of us in the room today, I think there's, there's a good portion of us that if we wanted to experience maybe the best way and maybe the quickest way for some of us to experience God's goodness, his blessing, his presence, if God feels distant to you right now, I firmly believe that one of the ways and maybe the best way for you to experience his blessing in your life might be to to give more of your money away. And, and here's why I believe that. 
Because money has a way of controlling our hearts. Money just has this, this way of controlling our hearts. And, and so when you open up the Bible, you actually, I don't know if you know this, but when you, if, if you read the Bible, you can't hardly read the Bible without stumbling on some sort of passage on money. In fact, look, we just we got some, some verses for you. Here's just a couple of them. Today might be a little longer, just so you know. <laughs> Tori said 11. It might be like, no, no, actually, I'm not going to preach through. I'm only, there's only one of those that I want to look at today. This isn't even close to the, the, the amount of verses that are in the Bible about money. Here's another crazy thing, and maybe, maybe you know this. Um, when Jesus came and he started to teach and, and, and um, speak to people, he talked about money all the time. In fact, he talked about money more than heaven, hell, and sex combined. Because, because he knew that money is a big deal. Um, honestly, what we're going to do, and what I want to do is, I, I want us to focus on one passage on, up here today. It's out of the book of Malachi. And I want us to focus on that passage because in this particular passage, God does something here that he does nowhere else in the Bible. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's Malachi 3. Um, and be, um, before we, we read it, um, if you want to find Malachi in your Bible, it's actually pretty easy. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is where all the red letters of Jesus, like Jesus is in there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go to the book of Matthew and go back a couple pages, you'll hit Malachi because it's the last book of the Old Testament. This is written by the prophet Malachi, and a prophet was a person who is, in a sense, a mouthpiece for God, is a person who God would use to bring messages to, in, in the Old Testament, his nation Israel, typically. And Malachi records this, this interaction. It's, it's kind of like a, it, it's not an interaction that actually happened, but it's like God said, I want you to, to like write down a fake conversation between me and Israel. And it's, it's kind of like, like, an, like an argument, actually. And, and like a lot of the arguments that you and I have, this one's about money. Uh, so God is having an argument with his nation, Israel, about money. And, and the, the reason, can you take that slide down for a second, actually? They're, they're reading it. Um, I want you to pay attention to me for a second. Um, the, re- the reason that God wanted to talk to them about money is God had made a covenant with the nation of Israel. He had made a covenant where, where he said, I want you to love me and I want you to love each other. And if you do that, I will be your God and you will be my people. And that's where the law comes from, the Ten Commandments. And there's actually 613 laws that God said, this is what it means to be in covenant with me. That law covered everything from civil stuff to ritual stuff to moral things, including, of course, their money. And so he, he, he's talking with the nation of Israel and they have not been good at keeping the law. They have not been good at keeping up their part of the covenant. And so in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, we find God, we find uh, this fight happening between God and Israel. And God says this. He says, will, will a mere mortal rob God? This is God speaking in third person. He can do that. Um, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And to which point Israel it says, but how are we robbing you? Like, how is that even, po- God, you're God. How do we rob you? Like, is that even possible? And God answers and says this, in, t- in tithes and offerings. In tithes 
and in offerings. And in here, he's referring back to the covenant written in, uh, uh, mainly in Deuteronomy and Leviticus where God says, I want you to tithe. And to, I don't know if you know this, like if you grew up in church, you might be familiar with tithing. But the word tithe literally means a tenth or 10%. So when you, if you, you were to say, I tithe, you're saying, I give 10%. A lot of times, like a lot of us give 10% to the church. In this case, the nation of Israel was ordered, God said, hey, in order to be in covenant with me, I want you to treat your stuff a certain way. I want you to bring, t- I want you to bring a tithe. I want you to bring 10% of what you have to me. He said this in Leviticus 27.30. A tithe, meaning a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, that belongs to the Lord. That belongs to me. It is holy to the Lord. That was God speaking. I want you to bring 10%. And see, God's saying, you guys have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Remember, we talked about this in Leviticus. You're supposed to bring 10% of everything you make, whether it's from the field, whether it's from a tree, whether it's from a, 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 a livestock. I want you to bring 10% of that to me. And here's the thing, like, this isn't just like, hey, you owe me five dollars, and, and then I'm dog, you know, you know, you dog me about owing you five dollars. See, there's a lot more going on about this. There, there, every single law had some sort of theological value to it, including this one. See, God knew that money has a fun, does crazy things to us, and he said in the outset, in this beginning, for the nation of Israel, he said, because of that, I want to make sure that your stuff is in check. And so what I want you to do, a lot of times in, in the, the Old Testament that talks about first fruits, where God asks them, I want you to bring the first fruits of the crops. I want you to bring the first crops of the year to me as an offering to the Lord. And, and that, was, that was incredible in an agricultural society to bring, that you're, you're longing for those crops. And, and here you are, you'd be an Israelite, you'd be, you know, like it's, it's harvest time. This is an exciting time of year. And you take your first crop and you give it to God. And through that, what you're saying is, God, I recognize that everything I have is yours. And here's my offering to you. God, I, I recognize that, that I could really use this 10%. This first fruit is something that I would love to consume. It's something that I maybe even need. But in giving it to you, I recognize that you are my provider. That all of this comes from you. And therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it up to you. And I trust you that you will provide. That was the tithe. And then on top of the tithe, the tithe was just supposed to be a baseline. And then after that, there was offerings that they were called to give. There were times where they were called to give to certain, you know, come to certain festivals with things in hand for the Lord. Uh, they, they, were, they were called to give to the poor sometimes, offerings to the poor. And that was how God had set it up. And then they stopped doing it. Or they didn't, they didn't do a full tithe. They did a certain percentage, but not 10%. And God says, here, you, you've robbed me. He goes on to say this. Verse 9, you honor curse, your whole nation, which is kind of harsh, because you have robbed me. See, you're all doing this, God says. And, and honestly, like when we see the word curse, I think pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and here's the thing, they didn't steal a pirate medallion and God's like, are you under curse? You know, it's not that kind of curse. You got to think, you got to think covenant. You got to think, you got to think curse as the opposite of blessing. 
Like you, you will be, I will be, your, my, I will be your God and you will be my people. You will be under my blessing. And because you've broken the covenant, now you're under a curse because you're no longer under my blessing. Then he says this, and this is really, this is really what I want us to see today. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And my house means in his temple or his tabernacle. That's, that's, when, that's what they would do with the food. And they'd have these big feasts and festivals and parties. And then he, God says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. See, see, God is saying, listen, listen, listen. Don't just bring in part. Bring in the whole part of the tithe. Do this. I know, I know Israel, it's hard because you're, you've gotten used to not bringing it in. But test me on this. Try me. I dare you. Bring in all of it and just see what happens. I'm God. Remember, remember who you're talking to here? See if I don't just... Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing on you because you've been obedient. Just, just, just try me on this. Test me on this. All, all fighting aside, let's just, let's just try me on this. And here's the crazy part about that, this. And some of you know this. The, nowhere else in the Bible, this is the only time in the Bible that God says, test me on something. In fact, in other portions of the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament, God explicitly says, do not test me. Do not, test, do not put the Lord your God to a test. It's just not a good idea. You know, you shouldn't be like, okay, God, if I do this, will you do this? Like, that's not how he plays. He doesn't like that. But for some reason, in this verse, it's like he's like trying to make the point. He's like, this is so important. I want you to, you, in fact, forget everything I said about testing. Test me on this one. And just see what happens. I dare you. Try me. See what happens. And see, here's, here's what I want us to see from this passage today. Here is a group of people that are they're at odds with God. They're not on good terms. They're not on the same page with God. And this isn't the only way, but one of, one of the ways that he says, that you want to get back on the same page with me? You want to be in the covenant with me? You want to feel my goodness and my presence? Give your money. Be generous towards me. And that's why I, I make the case today that the best way for you to experience God's blessing right now might actually be through your money. That's why I feel bold enough to make that claim. Like, like there's a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. There's tons of ways to connect with God. There's tons of ways to be generous outside of your money. But I think that the best way for some of us in this room right now for you to experience God's presence and his goodness. Has God been feeling distant to you recently? If you want to, like, man, I want to believe in this God, but like, I, I don't feel him. I don't see him. That's not something we all go through. If that's you, I think maybe one of the best ways for you to experience his goodness and his presence in your life might be to become more generous with your money. I, I believe this. And, and here's why I think... Here's why I think God made an exception here. Here's why I think God says, test me on this. 
Here's why I think money is such a big deal. Why he says so much about it in his word is because he knows that the number one competitor for our hearts is our money. God wants, to, see, see, God wants us to trust him, to lean on him. And he knows that, that chances are if we're not leaning on him, we're probably leaning on our money. Because it's like, man, I got, I, we got a good savings account. We got our retirement plan. We got this vacation. Or we're just simply distracted by all of these good things that we're able to do with the money. And all of a sudden, oh, oh God. See, God knows that the number one competitor for our hearts, for my heart and yours, is money, is our money. And, and here's the thing. So he's, he asks us to give it to him. Not because he needs it. Can we all just make that clear? That the earth is his and everything in it? That, that if we're generous with our money, we don't add to the earth. And if we keep our money, we don't take away. It's all his, right? And if he, all he has to do is wait for us to die and he'll get it back. You know, like it's just, that's the reality, right? Can we just all agree? He doesn't need our money. And he doesn't want our money. Ultimately, what he wants is our heart, which is why Jesus, when he came, preached on money all the time. He said things like this, that where your treasure is, there your heart may be also. That's, guys, he was talking one day, he's like, this is just kind of how it works. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then later on, he, in a couple verses later, he says this, he says, you cannot serve both God, two masters. Either you'll hate one master and love the other. He's like saying, like, you, you have one master, right? And you'll be devoted to one and, and despise the other. And then he says this statement, you cannot serve both God and, if, we, if, this, if this was fill in the blank, most of us would get this wrong. We'd be like, the devil? Like Satan? Like, like yeah, you can't serve both God and Satan, right? No, 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 no. No, you cannot serve both God and money, Jesus said. Because there's just something about money that gets at our hearts. If you disagree with this, I can prove it to you. Let's say, for instance, I had access to your bank account. This would be fun, right? <laughs> and let's say, or say I can, like, sell your house this afternoon or, or, you know, like, take a whole bunch of your money. And then say I take that money and I put it into some random stock. FTJ. CM3P. I, I don't think you do numbers on Wall Street. But anyway, you know what I mean. That's not a stock tip, by the way. Um, but say I was able to do that and put a bunch of your money into one stock. What would you be doing this afternoon? You'd be clicking like crazy and reading everything you can about that stock. You would call that one friend that you have that seems to know a lot about stocks that you don't really understand, and you'd be like, what do I got here? What am I, what, what's going to happen? All, you would, catch this, you would devote your time, your energy, your, you, you would devote a lot of you. In other words, you would put your heart and soul into finding out as much as you could about that stock. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's just what happens. God knows this. That's why Jesus said, your, your time, your talent, your energy follows your dollars. And that's why God's saying, so give it to me and, and see what happens. Because God knows, God knows that, that like once, once, uh, um, God knows that once, uh, once we start being generous towards him, we will actually start moving towards him. 
Like once we start to be generous with our money, he's like, once you be generous with your money towards me, you will start moving towards me. And that is what I want. I don't want your money. I want your heart. Which is why I say the best way for you to experience God's blessing right now might be through giving your money. Now, I could end there. And this, it's kind of a fairly complete sermon, I think. What do you guys think? Like right there, like we could pray and say amen. But I think that would be unfair because honestly, as I'm talking about encouraging us to, to be generous with our money, I'd like to spend the rest of our time talking about how to be generous with our money. I want to give you a strategy that will help us be generous. And, and for those of us who are God followers, that will help us be generous towards God. The strategy is very simple. It's called give, save, live. In fact, everybody just say that with me. Give, save, live. One more time. Give, save, live. When it comes, when money comes in, in this strategy, you give first, you save second, and then you live on the rest. That's give, save, live. Now, let me tell you what I do typically. Like typically, this is a different approach for me. Give, save, live is, diff typical, is different than the approach that I kind of revert to when money comes in. Usually when money comes in like a paycheck or whatever, it's like, well, when I used to get a paycheck, but anyway, like w I will take that money and, and, and say, this is for me to live on. I'm gonna, and so that comes in and I'll pay my bills and I'll buy some of what I need and then I'll buy some of the stuff that I want and then, and then I'll say, okay, now with what's left over, I'll save because that's smart. That's a wise thing to do. That's a good thing to do. Put it towards you know, my kid's college fund or whatever. And then if there's anything less left, we give. That's, that's the typical approach to, to money. And, and why not? I mean, after all, you earned it, right? This is your hard-earned cash. The government's already taken some of it away. You're a little bit bitter about that, so you're like, I'm going to be good. You know, I'm going to make the best of, of what's left. I'm going to live off of that, save, save some of it, and then give. If, if somebody comes along, it's like, if, if they're in need, it's like, yeah, sure, let me write you a check, and then we, we give. Here's the thing. Over time, the live, save, give approach, it starts tricking us. The, the live, save, give approach is what in the past has built our appetite for wealth. That's, that's what happens is when we live first, we, we tend to trick ourselves in thinking we need more than we actually do. And see, you know this to be true because there was a time where you didn't have as much as you do now. And somehow you made it. It was a miracle. You know, like, I can't figure it out, but we made it, you know, on $28,000 a year, or on teacher salary, or you know, they were going to school, or whatever your story might be. And it's like, we made it. You know how? Because that's what you had. And see, that's live, when you go live, when you start with you, like, you started, remember last week when we talked about the consumption assumption? That assumption that everything that comes to me is for me? That's what live, give, save, give ends up doing. Is, is, it starts saying, okay, here's the paycheck. What do I need? What do I want? Oh, I want a little bit of this. I'm not going to go crazy, but I want some of this stuff. And so we just start living off of it, and then we save, and then we, and when we get to giving, sometimes there's some left, and sometimes there's not. See, but this, the, the opposite strategy, what I'm proposing you today, give, save, live, See, what that does is it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like God's way for Israel was. It's like when, when with Give, Save, Live, it's like the paycheck comes in, 
and, and, and you say, okay, these are the things that I give to. This is the person that I give to, the cause that I believe in. And you write checks to them first. So the very first, the first money out goes to somebody else. And see, this is our way of saying, God, I realize you were the first money in. <laughs> you, you, you gave me everything that I had, and now I'm going to give you the first money out. And I tell you what, this is what, when we start there, it has a way of curbing that appetite for wealth. It has a way of freeing us from that rat race and putting things, what it does is it puts money in its place as we write checks to people. It's almost like this. It's almost like this. We write checks, and here's what it means to give toward, to God. You can give to God, obviously giving to a church or something like that. You can give to God any way you want, though. You can give to God, like you see somebody in need, you're, and you, as you're writing a check to your brother-in-law, and you're like, uh, you know what, hey, I want to help you out, and, and I'm going to be giving you a check every month for a little bit. And you start writing check or whatever to that person or to that organization, and in the memo line, you write two brother-in-law, and God. You're setting aside money for God. You're saying, you're, you're very, you can give money without, without referencing God, but the, the God follower, the way to give money and be generous toward him is to be generous towards others with him in mind. That's what it means to give, save, live. And what happens, see, honestly, this is a great spiritual exercise. Even if you don't like church or you're not sure what you believe about the whole Jesus thing, the idea that, that what happens with, with the, the live, save, give thing is we get really white-knuckled. We say, this is mine. And that's just not good for our souls. That's just not good for our spirits. So I would propose that you, like, no matter what you believe, give some of it away and watch your spirit grow and your spirit become better as a result of it, be a happier, kinder person. But if you're a God follower, this is what he's calling us to, to give first, then to, to save, and then to live off of the rest. I want to do a check-in here. I've got, I've got a, a way to kind of check in, because you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, like how much should I give, that kind of thing. Here's, I can't answer that. I, I really can't answer that question for you. Only you can answer that, because only you know your finances, and really that's between you and God. But, but ha- let me help you put it maybe into to perspective and see where you sit in the whole giving thing. There's really only four types of giving, or four types of givers. They're, they're sp- you can give sporadically, you can give regularly, you can give generously, and you can give sacrificially. Really, all of us fall into one of these four categories. A sporadic giver is, is somebody, like all of us give sporadically at times. We see a, a friend who needs money uh, or somebody on the street that we give something to or like the school's having a fundraiser or there's an emergency, a tsunami or an earthquake. And it's like, that's really horrible. I'm going to write a check to that. That's sporadic giving. Then there's regular giving. Regular giving is, is you're a regular giver when you, you commit to a cause or a program or a person. And you say, I'm going to, not only am I going to give to you, but I'm going to give to you on a regular basis. And I'm committing to do that. And this is really getting, this is a step towards give, save, live, right? Because you're saying, I'm giving to you first. I'm committing to do this whether or not my water heater goes out. I'm going to write this check, and I'm going to be a regular giver. Another way that a lot of us are regular givers is we've picked a percentage of our income. And, and the, the percentage giving is really good because 
our income goes up and down. Some of us are in, in, in jobs where we don't have a, a certain set income. We, we're in sales or we're in you know, some sort of seasonal work and it's like we have money now. So we commit to giving a certain percentage of our income on a regular basis to something that we believe in. That's another way to be a regular giver. Let's talk about generous giving. To be a generous giver means that you give more than what's necessary or expected. And this is almost in like a kind of a social sense. Like you give more than what the average person does. You give more than what's expected of you. No one would expect you to give that much and you give that anyway. A way that you could see, kind of self-identify as a generous giver is if you were to show somebody else your books and say, you know, this is, this is, these are my numbers right here. These, this is the money I make and this is what I give. If they were to say, wow, oh wow, that's, that's cool. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's a lot of money. I didn't you know, know that you gave that much. That's kind of what it means to be a generous giver. And then the last category um, is sacrificial giving. We can give sacrificially. And this is to give in a way that hurts. The, the, a good way of, uh, and you know, if you've done this, you know what sacrificial giving feels like. <laughs> Because you've given in a such a way, and, and here's how you know maybe if you're giving sacrificially. You know how generously you give, and people might look at your finances and say, wow, oh wow. You're giving sacrificially when you look at your finances and say, oh wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm going to give that much? That's when you're probably getting on the sacrificial side of things. And here's the thing. There are times, if you are a Jesus follower, there are times when God calls us to give sacrificially. It's maybe not a forever thing. All of, all of these are things you can grow in. All of these things, they're seasons, right? But there are times when God calls us to give to the point where it hurts. I blame Jesus. I, I think Jesus is to blame for this because he was the true sacrificial giver. The idea of, of a death on a cross he didn't, he didn't shy away from that. He pursued that and, and, was, and boldly did that. And then he said, come follow me. See, we are called, like, like, like ever since then, ever since Jesus, there has been, there's, uh, there's always been groups of people in every generation that give generously and even sacrificially. There are people who are willing to, to take a vow of poverty. There are willing, people who are willing to sell everything they have. There are people who are willing to say, no, I would make a lot of money over there, but my, I think God could use me more over here. So that's always been, that's in our heritage. In a sense, if you're a Christian, it's in your blood to give sacrificially. So where do you fall? Where are you at? And what would it take for you to level up? Now, here's the thing. I know I, I'm, about, I'm losing some of you right now. I, I, I'm lo- I know I'm losing you because this is difficult to hear. This is overwhelming, right? I mean, for, you know, like there's so many things going through our mind. We're too poor to do that. We're too much in debt to, to give gener- generously. I'm too young. I mean, I just don't make that much. Like that's kind of like kind of giving. That's for adulting. And I, it's not where I'm at right now. So like, I, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's really easy to check out at this point in time in this sermon. I just, like, because there's, it's, it's just too out there. It's too crazy. 
right? Like you hear a, of course, the pastor is going to talk about the person who, who gives away everything. That one person who ruined it for us all because they went and sold everything. And, and, and you, you look at that and you're like, that's crazy. Like I, and then you check out. But listen, 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 listen. We can all do this. No, let me, let me rephrase. We can all do something. Here's what I want us to see. What is it for you? Where are you? What seems crazy to you? I think that this is a message for all of us. Honestly, like the, the, because I think that God, you see, here's the thing. I think this is a message for all of us because I think that God wants each and every one of us to know what it's like to do something daring for somebody else. He has a lot of desires for you in, in your life, and one of them is to do something in such a way. He, he, he is, God desires for you to know what it's like, what it feels like to do something daring for him. And so I think this message is for all of us, no matter where we are, no matter how much we give, no matter how, how, how overwhelmed we are right now, this is, for, this is for you. So where is it? Where are you? What's, what's crazy for you? And it doesn't matter what's crazy for the person next to you. Like, honestly, like for you, like, like maybe, it's, maybe it's something like, like just the idea of giving on a regular basis, that seems crazy. Because you didn't grow up giving this way. You grew up, it's like, this is my hard-earned cash. Why would I give it away? So the idea of giving on a regular basis, that's crazy. Start there. Uh, just, just pick an amount, pick a percentage, pick an organization, and just give on a regular basis and see what God does. See, I think God is, for all, I think this is a message for all of us because God is saying, test me, try me, give on a regular basis, and just see what happens. Maybe, maybe for you, you're crazy, is your income has increased and your giving has kind of stayed the same. And you've thought about this before and you've done the math and the idea of writing checks in, in like, like percentagely, like how you used to, there would be so many zeros behind that now that you're like, that's crazy. Like, I'm not sure I should do that. And then you hear these stats about like, we don't, you know, we, we, the richer we get, the less we give. And you're like, oh, I want to do that. See, but what if God is saying, bring me the whole tithe? Just test me on this. Bring it in and see what I do. Maybe you're a student. Ah, oh, if you're a student, please listen to me. This is a, med- like, I know there's so many reasons to say like, no, oh, this isn't for me. This is for my parents. Like, th- th- if you can get this right now, like, it-, it will help you be generous, be a generous person for the rest of your life. Am I right, adults? And it doesn't get any easier. So, so like, what if, like, like, what if crazy for you is you're a student, you have a summer job, and you don't make much, and it seems crazy, like, like am I really gonna pull out $32.73 out of my bank account and bring that to God? Like, what is he going to do? Like, how is that important? No, 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 listen, listen. That's for God to decide. That's for God to decide. And the, the, the amount doesn't matter. It's the heart. And the fact that you're doing it, what will he build in you, maybe? What will he, he, t- he train you in, in to, to, how will he train you to think and how might he prepare you for generosity in the future and how might he help quell that appetite of wealth in you if you started now. If you're a college student or, a 20, or in your 20s and you're like, no, generosity is for that day when it, like someday when I'm making more money. No, 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 no. What if God is saying, no, 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 start now. Start now and see what I do. Maybe for some of us. Some of us are, I, I know you guys pretty well. Some of you are, are like, we're, we're, we're generous people. That's why I love this church. 
But honestly, what, what, maybe you're the person who's generous and you, you're feeling God calling you to something crazy. There's just like, you've, you've had a couple of thoughts that are like, man, that seems crazy. Like, like if that's you, there's, if God is calling you to one of those things where you look at your books and say, oh, wow, like I'm going to do that, that's, that's, that's crazy. Can I just say this? The world needs more people like that. Evergreen needs some crazy folk like this. Desperately. Because here's the thing. We're, we're, we're in a world where 1.3% is normal and 3.2% is generous. Ha! We need to reset that. And it's crazy people who will do that. Say, no, I'm going to give this. And people are like, what? And it gets people to think, what would, what, how might God use you to do radical things through sacrificial living? What is it for you? Shake it off. Okay, no, yeah, 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 you can't give away half of what you own. That's okay. What is it for you? Don't miss it. Because in that craziness, I believe that God will meet you there. Do something daring. Doesn't matter what it is. Do something get daring. And God will meet you there. Here's it, here's it is in a, a nutshell. Our wealth is an appetite. God knows this, and he knows what wealth can do to our hearts, so he asks, asks us to give first, to give, save, live, and he promises that when we do, he will be with us, which is why I believe that the best way to experience God's blessing right now for you might be giving more of your money away. Now, next time, so next week we have Scatter Church, which is a way that we can be generous as a church. You'll hear about it more here in a second. Next week we have Scatter Church. In two weeks we'll finish up the series Crazy Like Us. This is an all hands on deck. This is, if this is your home church, please do not miss two weeks from now because what we're going to do is we're going to propose a, a way. Honestly, part of the reason why one of the hurdles for our generosity, a lot of times, I, I, heard, I heard this once, that people don't give because they don't know what to give to and they don't know who to trust. And th that's true. Like, it's true. Like, we, we wish we could do more. We just don't even know where to start. In two weeks, we're going to ask you to join us in starting to pray for what are our two causes as a church. As, at Colorado Life Church, we want to pick two causes, and we have some ideas in mind. We're going we're to kind of share some of those with you and, and ask you to pray with us. Because we believe that, that the, if we, we choose causes, that God is leading us to two causes, and, and when we choose those, that will focus our efforts, it will focus our generosity, and it will make it that much more powerful and that much more potent. And what it will do for you personally and for your family is it will give you an outlet for generosity. It will give you an outlet for your time. It will give you an outlet for your, your, your talents. Moving forward, we'll use Scatter Church. I'm really excited to, to make this announcement, like to, to bring you guys into this conversation because it's so cool to think about what we could do as a church of generous people. And that's honestly, I have an ulterior motive. I, I want something for you, but ultimately, if we as a group of people grow as generous in, ge in generosity, I think that we will be able to do amazing things. 
we'll be able to see God move in amazing ways. And I want that. I want that for you. I want us, I want us to be a part of that, but it's going to cause us, it's going to demand us to be generous people, to be a little bit crazy. Let me pray for us. Father, I don't know where this hits. I know this probably hits all over the place. Some of us are so overwhelmed. There's so much turmoil and stress and arguments when it comes to money, so the idea of giving it away just seems ludicrous. For the person who's there today, that's, that's them. I pray that you would meet them and that you give them peace and rest and comfort. And, and, and I pray that that person would know that doing this and growing in generosity doesn't make them a better person, doesn't make, them, make you love them more. That's not possible. You love them so much already. But Lord, you do call us to, to give and to give generously. And I pray that each one of us would, would figure out whatever that means to step into that and take that step. Would you give us clarity? Would you give us, would you give us wisdom this week? And then would you give us the courage to do something daring? Lord, we want to be known as that group of people. And I believe that you want to lead us there. Would you lead us this week? Would you lead us in these next songs as we sing? Would you, would you speak to us? Would you lead us to where we need to be? In your name, amen. Please stand.